really an, an understated issue is Brady. Another run. How about the move? Brady steps away. Touchdown, Oklahoma. 21-yard scamper. And again, huge hole in the middle of that offensive line. And we just talked about it a moment ago. The jump cuts, the vision. We've seen this the entire first half now. Joe Platt on the play-by-play. Oklahoma 49, Nebraska 14. Today, Oklahoma racks up uh, 580 yards of total offense against Nebraska's defense while uh, letting off the gas quite significantly there in the uh, in the second half, sort of sort of thankfully. Um, but yes, another another tough loss today for Nebraska. We're taking your phone calls on Big Red Overreaction. Connor Happer, John Bishop with you. Big Red Overreaction is brought to you by Burton when your plumbing's hurting. Just call Burton. I uh, told you I'd go to the phones right away, and that's what we will do. Tim is on the Les Hills Harley Davidson hotline. Tim in the Sand Hills. Hey, Tim. Hey, yeah, uh, this is Tim. I, I appreciate you taking my call. Thanks for the show, guys. I appreciate what you do. Of course. Hey, you. um, I listen to 1620 The Zone a lot. Um, of course, I'm like 300 miles out, so I have to listen on the Internet. But, uh, hey, I'm uh, – I'm of the mindset that I don't put this on Mickey Joseph at all. He was uh, on a short week. He's not calling the offensive or defensive plays. Um, I'm proud of Mickey, and I hope he uh, has success down the road. But um, I want to throw a name into the hat uh, for maybe a head coaching candidate that if if Mickey can't be be that, um, Damon Benny. Who knows the lay of the land more than Damon Bain? No, I'm serious. He might be a media guy, and you might say, well, he just, in quotes, has high school coaching experience, but he's highly cerebral. He uh, he really understands people. Um, he would be a great recruiter. Might even bring his son. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I... Are you, uh, are you, are you by the way, calling show. from near the ocean? No, because 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 away? if you are, can you look out in the ocean to see if any sharks are being jumped? Because <laughs> I think this I think this conversation has jumped the shark. Well, I I know it's kind of a he's an outlier for sure, but uh, hey, you, you know think? David, uh, he uh, he slayed Goliath and he didn't have any credentials, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Tim. Let's. Uh, uh, by the way, an actual coaching candidate. Um, Lance Leipold, KU was down fourteen mm-hmm. nothing to Houston. It's now tied fourteen fourteen. Yeah, um, that's a name worth watching, folks. I'm not. I'm not saying he's the favorite. Just a name worth watching. Yeah, I got a tweet from a Husker follower who says, "Y'all, you guys watching Kansas looks like a pretty disciplined and well coached football team playing against a more talented opponent." Just oh saying. crap! And I just finally got the dang internet to work, and they're in a weather delay. So uh, mm. I guess they're not. They're not playing currently. Uh, let's take another quick look at the scoreboard here. Well, I mean, w- while we do this, you you'll keep keep tabs on, I suppose, the coaches in these games as well. If we're if we're playing that, yeah, game. I think we're gonna have to. Uh, South Alabama thirty-one, UCLA twenty-nine. Fourth quarter, nine minutes to go. Um, take so, Chip Kelly off the list. Yep. Uh, Iowa State thirty-seven, Ohio ten. Twelve minutes to go there. Uh, so there's your Matt Campbell update. Uh, Rutgers 16, Temple 14, three minutes to go in that one. Um, let's see. Uh, Cal 17, Notre Dame 17, 
in the fourth. So that'll be keep. We'll keep an eye on that one. Thank you for saying that. That's the game I need to switch to. Uh, and Kansas State ten, Tulane seven, beginning of the third quarter. Oregon twenty four, BYU seven at half. And uh, there's your. There's your scoreboard. And uh, Penn State's up 14-6 on Auburn. Penn State midfield, less than a minute to go first half. Oh, yeah. Okay, a couple more. Big 10, by the way. Uh, Minnesota 28, Colorado 0, nearing halftime. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Colorado's yeah, it's, it's been Yeah, it's been brutal. Uh, Wisconsin 35, New Mexico State 0, nearing halftime as well. Uh, there is your scoreboard update. It's gotten a little bit better for the Big 10 West uh, after Nebraska loses to Oklahoma in tough sh- – Tough uh, shape, and then Northwestern drops one this morning to Southern Illinois. Purdue also lost to Syracuse. Uh, Indiana did end up eking that one out, by the way, John, in overtime, 33-30 yep. against Western Kentucky. Um, so there is your uh, your scoreboard. But update. Purdue lost, so. Yep. Uh, back to the phones. We have uh, Rick on the Les Sills Harley-Davidson hotline. Hey, Rick, you're on Big Red Overreaction. Uh, yeah, my name's Rick. Slightly overweight. Used to be a Chippendale, but I lost my job because of the weight problem. So I'm currently unemployed like Scott. I think he's getting more money than I am, though. Uh, to get down to a serious note, I told uh, the morning show when Scott came on board that Matt uh, Millen said Nebraska was the hardest place geographically in the Big Ten to recruit to. And uh, the host that day, who I really respect, he said, check my sources. Well, it is hard to recruit here, and we're not getting enough local talent like the Wisconsin's and the Michigan's and the Ohio's do, and obviously they have bigger populations. But John alluded to Rome a little bit earlier, and this goes under Trev Alberts. When you brought these NIL players in this year, what did that tell these guys that have been paying their dues for three or four or five years under the previous coach? And then things aren't panning out. And then when they turn around and fire Frost last week, uh, the AD said he did it for the players. Well, he, he threw $7 million out, and that's, you know, the right booster said this is nothing, this was peanuts. But when they let them NIL guys come in, and it failed after Northwestern and the scare at North Dakota, and then what happened at Georgia Southern, then he didn't want that stadium empty this week. And that's what you're dealing with now. So Mickey Joseph, I mean, he's run into Chernobyl, for lack of a better word. And I hope things can get better. But hopefully they can describe the problems, number one, recruiting, and these kids aren't going to play like they used to. And when you bring these imports in and things don't pan out, they're homesick. They're going to go jump to their next place. What's you guys' take on that? Yeah, I'll say this, Rick. Nebraska, going forward, I mean, they're going to use the transfer portal because everybody's got to use the transfer portal, regardless of who the right. coach who the coach is at Nebraska. But this is not going to be a program that is built on the transfer portal. This was a no. one-year patchwork attempt at to put together a football team that could potentially win some games and it failed. It, it didn't work. This is a one-off um, and this should not be a place where you're bringing in 15, 16, 17 guys from other, from other schools to play as mercenaries. It's, it's not going to be that place. It shouldn't be either. No, I don't think, I don't think any good program can really do that. No. I really don't. I mean, look at the successful ones. Some of most of the successful programs, and you can argue, well, they've already got the talent, but they also lose a lot of talent either to the NFL or to the transfer portal. You know, they they don't go diving in there. This is this is not something that you know you're going to fix overnight, uh, and I don't think you can fix it with temporaries. And I agree. I think the transfer portal can be a supplement to what you have, but you've got to have a foundation. You've got to have a strong foundation from which to build off of and right now and that's one of the biggest reasons why it's not working currently with nebraska in the transfer portal because it's not a strong foundation to begin with yep 
So not recruiting, that that's not your number one priority here. you got to have good players. Of course, you always have to have good players, and maybe Nebraska could have better players than they have right now. But you got to have a foundation first, and you got to get a coach who can bring you a foundation and, and have that vision and play it out and one that works in the Big Ten Conference, and that's that's basically where we're at. That's Honestly, John, that's why I'm optimistic, because that exists out there in a lot of different ways. Like There, sure there are a lot of people who can accomplish that job, and that's why I'm optimistic about where this thing ends up You know, whenever it happens. I agree. Uh, back to the phones. We have Bob on the Les Hills Harley-Davidson hotline. Hey, Bob, you're on Big Red Overreaction. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I really appreciate it. I really like listening to the program. I got just a couple of things. Um, I played college ball. And I know what it's like to have a coach get in your face. So I'm a really, and, ha- and was, a really strong believer in Bo Pelini and how he got his players to play. Because he was a kind of coach that I would walk through a wall through. I would just do it just because it was for him. But i got to tell you something. What I saw today, when I saw Mickey Joseph bring that team out, when was the last time you saw a coach raise their hands and wave the fans on to praise the team? When was it? Because it is. Hotspur, he used to do it all the time. He was, he was big into that, just coming out of the mean, field, I'm waving his hands guys, up in the air, going, come on, guys, let's go. This is a, this is a coach that is about the players, and I believe in him. And I don't know where the guy from out west is coming from. And I, and I listen to it. I think Damon Benning would be a great source for maybe import. But I'm telling you right now, uh, Joseph deserves a good look. Yeah, thanks for the call, Bob. Appreciate it. And, and look, I, I think as the season goes along, he – He's John. He'll get every opportunity to be sure the guy, and that is what the next eight games are all about. And there's no, there's no doubt that the players react to him in a positive way. Um, that that's absolutely true. And there's no doubt that he has a certain style of leadership that does check the box. I think, and, and I, in what they're looking for. But you only have so. He only has so much time to implement what he's doing this year. So I mean. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky to sort of get an evaluation on all that, but he has a distinct- and I think and I think Connor these next two weeks will be harder for Mickey than this last week was. I mean, this last totally. week you just kind of thrown into the fire and you can only do so much. These next two weeks are are gonna be more difficult, and this is where more real work can get done because again, it's about the players. It's about identifying that what you have, who's ready to go to battle for you. And where and, and who you have left to fight with, and then building from there. So, it, it, you know, again, I will be very, very, very patient. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend every week and analyzing. Well, Mickey Stock is up this week. Well, Mickey Stock is down this week. Right. Just let him do his thing. Ask me in November. Uh, back to the phones. We have Brad on Big Red Overreaction. Hey, Brad, what's going on? Hey, I just wanted to say that Mickey is interested in the head coaching job. He said that during the press conference on Monday. He was asked. He you know, he said interested. he said he said yeah. He he gave a pretty benign statement. I I I I wouldn't look at that as saying I'm definitely wanting to throw my hat in the ring. Let's let's just let's not read too much into it or want to read too much into that. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he basically said that you wouldn't take the interim head coaching job if you weren't interested in taking the permanent head coaching job. But I, I agree. Give him time. And I totally agree that having Trev uh, at the, the helm here is the best thing for Nebraska. He'll make as best of a choice as there is out there, uh, depending on who's willing to come and, and for what reasons. So have a lot of faith in it. Um, it's going to be a tough you know, rest of the season. But yeah, what I'd like to hear is some coaches start talking about, instead of eight games left now, let's talk about a bowl. We're still potentially bowl eligible. Eight plus one would be good. <laughs> How about just Thanks, talking Brad. about the next game? I mean, I don't know. If I... One at a time. One yeah. at a time. And, yes, you could look around the rest of the Big Ten West and say, oh, well, there's there's some there's some winnable games here. And there is. But Nebraska's got to get itself right. <laughs> exactly. Re- this is – yeah, yeah. You can't look – you can't tell me what you've seen the last, th- you know, four weeks is a team that looks like it's a bowl-eligible team. It's uh, not. The quote from Mickey at the press conference, I think when you accept the job as interim head coach, that's the opportunity you're working for to become the head coach. But we understand what goes along with this profession. It's wins and losses, and that's what it's going to depend on. That was from Mickey. I'm with you, John. I thought it was sort of sort of benign. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't come off of that and say, oh, yes, it's, it's very clear now. Mickey, Mickey wants the job. Um, I would say that he would look and I think we're, this is all sort of a pointless conversation right now because the conversation is completely different. No matter what in four weeks, in five weeks, in six yeah. weeks, we have to see how this thing goes first. I like, see, there's it, no it, better way to say it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, right now, a lot of folks are reacting emotionally in the moment and, 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 and you can't do that. And thankfully Trev's not doing that. You got to step back and, you know, just look at today's pregame show, for example. You know, the Fox guys were all blown away by the emotion and the excitement. It's like, oh, man, everything's – and you, so much so that two of the guys were convinced Nebraska was going to win this game today. Yeah, Those were decisions that were made in the emotion of the moment and getting caught up in the frenzy. You got to get yourself out of the frenzy and think of it now from a coaching perspective or from the coaching search perspective. You can't make that decision sitting in a sports bar around a bunch of crazy fans going wearing, you know, I want urban T-shirts or anything. You're you're not going to be making that decision in that cauldron. <laughs> That's not where Trev's coming from right now. So I know I know there's a lot of folks that want to react emotionally to this, and that's part of the reason why this show exists. It's Big Red overreaction. <laughs> but again, the person who is making the decision is not making that decision inside of that cauldron of emotion. Hey, by the and way, that's a good thing. Yeah. By the way, John, I-, I wanted to I wanted to make sure we played this on the show today. We're going to take a couple more calls and, and get out of here. All right. But this was Bruce Feldman on the Big Noon pregame show today on on Scott Frost, and he said he'll say it at the beginning of this clip and talking about talking to assistant coaches and their sort of opinion on why things didn't go right. And you tell me, we'll talk about this right after, but tell me if you, if this feels like a program that was operating at full capacity over the last couple of years, here's Bruce Feldman. And Bruce, what went wrong for Scott Frost here at Nebraska? Rob, talking to coaches here, Scott Frost's undoing really came down to three things. First, there was a real bad lack of organization with him. Second, he was impulsive and would jump in in critical moments in games and make play calling suggestions of things they really hadn't repped much at practice. And third, and this is unlike what it was like at at UCF with him, 
He leaned on a couple of his buddies here around Nebraska and got some really bad advice. And I think that helped disconnect him with his coaching staff. All right, That's... so let's turn the page right now. Who yeah, are the... Shut that one down, Chance. But that was Bruce Feldman pregame. So you, you tell me if that was a program who was anywhere close, you know, for, for those of you who want to bury it or, or whatever and, and say, look, they, we haven't beat this, this, and this, and these are what the records have been. You tell me if that's a program who feels like it was even close to operating at what it could have been over the last right. four years. Exactly. I mean, and, 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 and that's part of what I've been saying, even through all these close losses, is, you know, it's a, it's a program that doesn't know how to finish. It's a program that's not confident, right? And I think too many people got caught up in the PTSD of, 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 the, of, of the blowouts of the past and said, well, but they're making progress. It, but you're always going to be hitting your head on that ceiling because you aren't organized or your coach is impulsive or he's making poor decisions. And, and that's why I said, I think, I think ultimately when the dust settles on all of this, we're going to find that this program is in worse shape in the post-Frost era than it's going to be in the post-Riley era. And, and, and another reason why, you know, making the move early might be able to mitigate some of that damage because now, you know, with, with what is left, you can try to pick up the pieces and try to make something out of what's going on here. But, there, but believe me, folks, there's a lot of work to do. So much work to do. It's a lot of heavy lifting. And that's why I'm not, that's why I'm not thinking about, hey, there's nine games left because there's going to be boil eligibility. Come on. You can't think that way. There's a long way to go. One more quick call before we take a uh, break here. We got uh, PJ in Lincoln. Hey, PJ, what's going on? You're on Big Red Overreaction. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I just got like a quick thought. And and this isn't uh, against anybody within the program or Jay or anybody. Uh, but my thought is kind of around the fact that we have a lot of ex-players that love to have a say in what happens at the university, correct? And it would seem to me that maybe Scott was a little misled or uh, things didn't work out the way he thought. So as we get a new coach in, where are ex-players at as far as supporting them? And what's that look like moving forward? Because I do think there is a certain amount of you want that, uh, you want the ability to, to look back the past. But I do think we have maybe uh, tickled the past a little too much. Mm. And... I guess my opinion would be maybe they should sit down for a little bit and all uh, hang up and shut up and thank you guys. Thanks, PJ. Appreciate it. Look, I, I, the players, the, the former players, are huge stakeholders in this program. It it sure. ultimately falls on the shoulders of the coach of how much they want to incorporate what's being said or their suggestions or whatever it might be from any of the outside factors that that aren't within the walls of your program. Ultimately, it's up to that guy. And the the next head coach, whoever that might be, has to, you know, it's, it's, there are a lot of people here. There are a lot of people in this operation, a lot of people in the state and a lot of, you know, big swingers as far as the donors are concerned and, and all that stuff. Ultimately, it always comes down to the head coach. And th this is one of the things that bogged down Mike Riley. I don't think he was prepared for that, that part of it. There was too many cooks mm -hmm. in the kitchen when he was here and including his athletic director who had way too much of a say in what was going on, obviously. Well, this is part of the noise we talk about, right? It's not just the noise that the fans are making or the media is making, but you got to deal with boosters. You got to deal with X, you got to deal with X players. You got to deal with alums. You got to deal with administration. There's a lot of things 
that that blend into the cauldron of noise that everyone you know has to work under and you know trev himself an ex-player um probably understands that as well as anybody um and listen again there's time to make a so a solid sound decision and i hope that everybody from the biggest booster to the the most ardent fan to the players the ex-players everybody in between appreciates the kind of work and effort that's going to go into this and then ultimately respect the decision that is made because i think i believe just based on my analysis okay and and kind of what i see you know in terms of who who's making the decision i think you're going to get a true earnest honest well thought out decision and i know there no matter who it is you're going to have people saying nope they didn't shoot high enough or nope they shot you know they shot too high or they they got the wrong idea oh, i think i think i believe and i think everyone needs to believe that this decision will be made very smartly, very soundly, with the patience required, and and not working underneath all the noise and the chatter and the emotion of the situation, and 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 hopefully folks will be able to appreciate that. But even and, and even for those who don't, that the next head coach and the next organization, whoever it is, is going to be able to compartmentalize all of those different That's things it. and be confident enough in their own system, their own core beliefs and their own judgment of what it takes to build a great program. And they're going to forge ahead and, and convince those who aren't convinced from the beginning that this is the right move. Look, John, you don't, you don't think Trev's hearing it from people like Trev's, sure Trev's he is. been around for so long and, and he's, he's a former player. He like, he checks all those boxes too. But what has he shown the ability to do since being the athletic director here? He is listening. He he listens to people. But all, you can only, like, only so much of that goes into your program, and it's what you allow. You know, it's, it's what you allow. So what are you accepting as far as how much are you listening to and how much are you delegating down to your staff or how much do you want to be like? Ultimately, you have to have a vision on how you want this thing to be. Trev yes. obviously does. And he could take outside consultant – he consultants he can take whatever but ultimately it falls on his shoulders and it falls on the next head coach's shoulders so they can listen to or not listen to however much they want but that's the process that they that they're ultimately going through all right uh big red overreaction is brought to you by equitable bank where we take banking personally uh final timeout. we'll try and squeeze through a couple more callers here before we get out of here it's big red overreaction on 1620 the zone 101.9 the K.